0: Hey y'all, it's Rachel from Smarter Teaching, here to share a latte and give you all the tools you'll need to work smarter, not harder, in your classroom. Hi teachers, it's finally April. Can you believe that we are a third of the way into 2021? It's wild to me for so many reasons. Tomorrow, my little babies turn six. I truly cannot even believe that. I feel like two seconds ago, they learned to walk, and now they have all of these opinions and ideas and energy, so much energy. (laughs) Today, I want to return to um, something that has been a popular podcast topic, uh, flexible grouping. First, I want to take a moment and kind of promote myself a little bit. Um, This month, all of my blog posts will talk about small group instruction. I think that I have most aspects covered in the plans I've laid out. But if you're dying to learn about something specific, or if you have a specific question you would like to see addressed, please email me, smarter underscore teaching at com or you can DM me on Instagram. I really want this content to also be useful for you. And before we dive in, um, I want to make sure that we're all on the same page when we discuss flexible grouping. Um, I have linked an understood article in the show notes that has a lot of great detail. But if you're just listening, basically flexible grouping is a data-driven teaching practice. You put kids together in a group. Only until they meet the goal of the group, then you would disband that group and potentially regroup them based on something else. Research shows that flexible grouping benefits kids, helps build stronger classroom communities. So um, assuming that we all buy into the benefits of flexible grouping, let's talk about how to actually do it. Okay, so let's talk about how we would group students flexibly. So the first thing we need to know is that this is based on data. So this data can be from exit tickets. It can be from in-class assessments. It can be from um, reading or writing conferences, observations, um, EdTech results. Uh, we used to have a program called Lexia where students would be assigned like units and work through them and you as a teacher could see the results of every kid in the class. Um, so you can use EdTech like that. But you need to be basing this on data, not like a sense or a feeling that you have. It needs to be tangible data. Um, I would also in a flex I actually encourage you to do this in all types of small groups but I would encourage you to track attendance especially in a flexible group uh, because obviously students cannot meet the goal of a group that they are not participating in so if you create a flexible group and I just think that attendance is something that's hard to hold in your mind and it takes you 10 seconds to jot at the beginning of your group if a student's not there um So tracking attendance can be a helpful additional data point to keep track of. Um, So the biggest difference about flexible groups, like I said, is that students meet in this flexible group only until the goal of the group is met. So for example, if you have students across different reading levels who are struggling to, for example, use text features to find the main idea, you can bring this group together to work on this. The goal then is not necessarily for their reading level or their fluency or whatever to improve, but really for this specific skill of using text features to find the main idea to improve. So you will either regroup these students or disband this group completely when they meet that specific goal, using text features to find the main idea, not necessarily when they move up a reading level or improve their fluency or whatever. Which brings me to my next point, how we can use flexible groups in a com- in combination with more static or fixed groups. Often as teachers, especially with guided reading, we make groups and leave them for a month or two or sometimes even an entire quarter. And I am not throwing shade. I did this too. And I think that it is, these groups like this also have benefits, right? Um, the pace can be more adjusted to those kids, a group dynamic can, can emerge. Um, it's easier for kids. They know who else is in that group. Um, what I am encouraging is that you are using a, a combination of flexible and fixed groups, right? There is benefit to having all of the students in one group on the same reading level. There are definite skills that students need to um, master to improve as readers and grouping them by level makes sense so that you can target those skills right I'm not saying we should not use fixed or static groups I'm saying we should be using them both um, I'd also like to say that it's possible that not every single student is in a flexible group especially if you're using flexible groups with fixed or more static groups Um, every single kid should, of course, be meeting with you in a guided reading group, whether it's flexible or static, at least once a week. Um, Ideally more often, especially in younger grades, but for sure once a week, every kid should be coming to see you with a small group for some time. Um, So if you have more fixed groups say you have five like fixed reading level groups you might at a time only have one or two flexible groups right you might only have a few students who need to target as like one specific skill right um so these groups can be used in combination flexible groups can be used in combination with fixed groups and it's possible so every kid would be in a fixed group And then you might have one or two flexible groups in addition at a time. So we're using them both together. Flexible groups and fixed groups. Um, Fixed groups, like I said, I mean, I think that we all know as teachers that fixed groups move, not move, um, I guess I do mean move, uh, more slowly. It's a little, like you don't just jump to a new reading level every single month right um you have to kind of nurture that and develop that and that's the purpose of guided reading but then also in addition to those fixed groups we should be using flexible groups as well okay the last point I want to make about small groups today is about station groups when I say station groups What I mean is the groups of students that travel together from workstation to workstation. And here is what I want to suggest to you today. Station groups should have nothing to do with guided reading or math groups. And here's why. There are always sweet little love nuggets who get to a workstation and have no idea what is happening around them. No matter how often you explain it, no matter how long this workstation has been out, no matter how long the routine has been established, they get there and it's like brand new information to them almost every single time. If you have an entire group of these sweet little loves working together as your lowest reading group, for example, who is also traveling from station to station together, you are shooting everyone in the foot. Let me tell you why. These kids are not practicing whatever skills you've asked them to practice in the workstation because they can't remember what to do. They're distracting likely other groups and also likely you and your small group. If you mix students by responsibility or behavior rather than by ability, you lessen the probability of distracting behaviors. So instead of having your fixed reading level groups being the same groups that students travel from workstation to workstation in, if you have station groups or travel groups that are more mixed based on level of responsibility among your students, then you are really, from the get-go, you're lessening the probability of distracting behaviors. Because if there's one kid in a group of four or five who doesn't 100% know what's going on, instead of looking around and having four kids in a group who don't know what to do, who can't remember, who are off task, if there's one kid who can't remember when when he or she, when they get to the station, they can look at what the other students in their group are doing. What are the other students doing? Oh, they're pulling out this folder. Oh, they're pulling out these tiles to make CVC words. Or they're pulling out this paper and they're cutting apart, you know, the pictures and they're going to sort them. Whatever it is. If you have students who are mixed by responsibility level instead of by ability level, you are proactively lessening the likelihood of distracting behaviors. Are you eliminating them? No, definitely not. That's almost impossible, but you are really lessening the likelihood or the probability of distracting behaviors if you group your students for their workstations based on responsibility level instead of ability level. I know that was a lot of information, teachers, in a short amount of time, but I hope that this was helpful. I really like to kind of get in and out on the pod because I know that your time is valuable and you have a hundred other things that you need to do. Um, If you want more details, if you want to check out that Understood article on Flexible Dating, you could... Flexible Dating... (laughs) <laughs> flexible grouping you can hop over to my website rachelwilser.com um and just a reminder i'll be blogging about small group instruction this whole month of april so if there's something specific that you want me to cover um you can comment on, on the show notes post you can email me smarter underscore teaching at rachelwilser.com you can dm me on instagram you can leave a comment on my podcast post. Um, I really want to make sure that I am covering what you want, what, like your pain points around a small group instruction. Um, don't forget, you can get more teaching tips by following me on Instagram at smarter teaching, and also by signing up for my newsletter that goes out just once a month on the last Friday of every month. Um, you can sign up for that on my website or also in my Instagram profile. Okay, teachers until third Thursday, that's it. Bye.